Welcome to the Action Shooting Show. Uh, tonight I have Mark Rebke. I have Tiger Schultz. And uh, in audio but not in video, we have Mike Ford. So he's kind of a little uh, Sasquatch, so you don't really need to see him anyways. So been a while, it's been a while since all four of us is on here. I am thrilled that we're all on again. This is great. Um, tonight we're going to go over... Um, I guess match prep. So view this as like maybe it's the beginning of the season. You're gearing up for match season or you got that real big, you know, you got a lot of matches through the year. Maybe this is the really, really important one. So um, we're going to kind of go start going over that. And this kind of came from me and Mike actually spent about four hours out today doing some of this um, in preparation for Legion that's coming up in uh, two weeks. So uh, we kind of wanted to get ahead of it instead of, uh, as these guys will probably attest to, sometimes that match sneaks up on you and you're leaving Thursday night and it is Wednesday night and you're trying to get some of this stuff done. You're pumping out ammo on the 650 and just so you can go out and confirm your zero and, and all this other stuff we're going to talk about. So um, we'll give you some ideas and we'll kind of um, go from there, you know, kind of all share our, our, our theories on it. And as I kind of mentioned, let, let me say, start off the first thing, because I see this, people show up to matches. If you got a match coming up, confirm your zeros on your guns. I think all of us have ROed, confirmed matches. There are so many people that come up with guns that are not zeroed. They're just, there's no way that they can be zeroed by what they're doing or what they're not doing. So um, what zero you use? 50. 25, 36, 100, 200, 600. You decide that yourself. We're not we're not going to go over that. That's that's not a not for this topic, but have a good zero. So I would say for most people, five rounds is probably the fewest that you want to shoot. You may want to shoot more. Does that seem right to you guys? Um yeah. Absolutely be confident of your zero at whatever distance it is that you want. Um, Mark, you got anything to add onto that? Yeah, if you're the the other thing I'd just add is have a clue where your pistol hits. You know, you know, maybe you don't have to drift the sights, but so many people don't even have a clue where their pistol ammo is hitting. Nowadays, everyone's starting to run red dots and you actually do have to zero those. But, you know, like if you're running iron sights, it may not be exactly point on where you're lining those up. Just have an idea. And, you know, low left, that's that's a whole different discussion. But, you know, have a it's clue. Got Glocks. Every Glock shoots low left. I saw it on the Internet message board. Right. So that's a, like Ryan said. We're not going to go into the full weeds of things like that. But have a clue where your irons hit. If you have a red dot on your pistol, those aren't zeroed automatically as soon as you screw them on. So, have a clue with your pistol too, uh, but yeah, definitely come with you. We the you you should feel bad if your rounds are skimming the grass on long range stuff. Like you shouldn't think like, huh, that's weird. You should be like, boy, everyone sees how I came prepared for this. Like think about it that way, going into a match. Yep, uh, Tiger. How about you? Anything to add to that? Uh, I mean. Yeah, it's basically, you know, what you guys said. And and have a general idea of, of how to zero a rifle. Um, you know, not all scopes are the same. Um, my advice is if you don't know how to do, like, a zero stop on a scope, don't mess with it. Don't worry about it. And, like, ask somebody who knows how to do the zero stop. Call the company. Get the, get the step-by-step, whatever it is. Um, and, yeah, like you said, whatever distance you decide to zero at, understand why you're picking that distance. Um, if you say, hey, I'm going to pick the 5200 because some Joe Blow on the internet told me that was the only one that ever mattered, uh, you know, not the greatest reason, but at least you, at least you have a reason, um, <laughs> which not everybody does. Uh, but yeah, just understand the process of zeroing. Um, it's easier with a buddy, with a spotting scope. It's it's it, it, just like everything else. It's better with a friend. Um, and you know, 
I feel like no Tiger's downplaying how much he cares about this. This is a really serious issue, and if you're not ready for zombie 2023, you are going to learn <laughs> that zero is important. Tiger likes this so much that the first stage, stage not, stage zero, is prove to me that you brought a zero gun to yeah. this match. And yeah, so it's, it's, it's uh, somebody, uh, somebody will fail it. Well, a lot lots of people, people are going to fail it. <laughs> a lot of people are going to fail it. And we it's should a take bets plate. on it for the AAR. <laughs> it's a, it's a six inch plate. I was going to do a four, but a four is hard to see for like red dots and iron guns. And I, and I don't want to completely rule those out because those are legit, you know, those are legitimate platforms and all, and all of that. So I I'm doing a six inch plate. If you can't hit a six inch plate at a hundred yards with your, with your primary competition rifle, you didn't come prepared for, for the match that you're about to run. <laughs> uh, Mark, what do you got to add to this? Yeah. Um, I, I'm probably the guy that goes a little bit overboard with my zero confirmation. But, uh, yeah, at a bare minimum, go out and get that five-round group in for your rifle. Get a, a five or ten round group of your pistol, and uh, that's a great place to start. And if you have time, then start exploring the height over bore uh, with your rifle. And, uh, you know, if you have a chronograph, get some uh, ammo over a chronograph. But, you know, ultimately, you have to have that zero or, you know, the chronograph and, you know, height over bore. All this stuff won't matter. So get it out there. Do that, that basic leg work that enables you to have a shot at performing well and you know I I don't know if you're still talking Mike you're breaking up real bad we're not really able to hear you right now All right. Uh, hopefully we get Mike back. Uh, I'm glad he brought that up. That's what. Um, so if you see here and uh, some other stuff. Mike, Mike, we lost you for a good chunk of that. You're you're kind of breaking up. I'm losing you guys on and off. I've, I've tried to turn off the uh, the uh, video and just go to audio and still uh, struggling. I don't know if you guys can hear me. Uh, yeah, we're hearing you better now, so that may have fixed it because you were breaking up for a good chunk my, of that. Let me try putting my phone up higher. Is that better? Okay. Yeah, I mean, we're hearing you now. So yeah, um, let me go off what Mike okay. said. I'm glad he mentioned that. So Throoms, um, actually, that was part of our, our thing today. If you don't know what Throoms are, there are a lot of running guns. I don't know if they use them in other matches. They're two, three-inch little self-healing rubber targets. They're very popular in matches. One, because it's a rifle target that I can shoot at 5, 10, 15, 25 yards. Some of these matches we go to, they got bays. They have things that are hard to set up steel close enough. Um, obviously, or They're close enough you wouldn't want to put steel for safety reasons and because it just destroys your steel if you're shooting it at 15 yards. So they become very popular. If you're not shooting throoms, there's still occasions where you are shooting things with a rifle a lot closer than your 50-yard, 100-yard zero. So um, I think height over bore is a really valuable thing to know with your rifle. And on the flip side, with pistol, kind of understanding at some different distances where your pistol hits. You know, if you can walk it back on a piece of paper, a piece of steel, you know, let's say you zero at 25 yards with your pistol. Well, what is it doing at let's say 50 yards or 100 yards you know these are all things that are are good match pro what's that yeah seven i mean I said, or pistol seven. yeah yeah pistol makes a little bit less difference especially with irons but yeah there's still these varying distances you you really need to know um but rifle especially because most of us have two inches of height over bore and that that's going to play a big a big part. And, you know, me and Mike were talking today. People hate these through targets at matches. But so at 25 yards, maybe my math is wrong here at 25 yards at 
a two-inch throom is what is that an eight moa target yeah right so yeah. that's an eight moa target at, at most most of our rifles if you get even the cheapest of ar-15s and any kind of factory ammo your cheapest wolf that is a four moa gun or better like if if you're most of them are probably closer to three you know three or better but if you got a gun and ammo that won't shoot better than four moa throw one of them in the trash so you've got twice that that you could hit this little tiny target as long as you've done your homework and you know where your rifle hits or your pistol or whatever it is at these different distances so i think the big thing with these match preps is you're just doing your homework and giving yourself the confidence so that when you step on that stage there is no like oh man i wonder where i need to hold on this it, you know and then all you have to do is 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 perform so mark did you have something to add yeah so height over bore is good but another one to think about is guns laying sideways so where does your gun go when you turn it 90 degrees to the right or to the left you know now guns and optics don't run parallel to each other and so there's going to be some sort of difference or deviation there. Have you tried that? You know, that's not something you need a special range for. Just lay down your gun, shoot another group. Where are you at there? You know, do you know that? And so that's we see it all the time in VTAC barricades. That's the most common thing. You get the, wind, what would you call it, mail slot, and you yeah. poke through there, and people have no clue. And so give it a shot. You know, fits with everything we're saying, um, but not just height over. Height to the side. Absolutely. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of go on to there. And I think let's kind of go on what Mike was taught mentioned. So he, he mentioned briefly a chronograph. So especially rifle, if you're shooting in a match with some distance, you kind of have two options. And if you have both of these options, you're, you're better off. But um, so chronograph will get you your velocity. You know, something like a magneto speed, one of the visual ones you shoot over a... Uh, uh, what's the the sonar one? Lab radar. Lab radar, you know, stuff like that. Getting your muzzle velocity is is a good thing to have. Um, there's a thousand ballistic calculators on the computer, on your phone, on all kinds of things. You have standalone kestrels. Understanding your drop. So ideally you get something from the chronograph as a starting point, and then you can make it out to a range where you can confirm these drops at distances. You know, that's your, um, that's the ideal, right? Um, if you don't have a chronograph, hopefully you can just get out and um, most guns, you could get a general ballpark off the book and kind of get a starting thing. But confirming those drops at distance would also be really helpful because no one wants to get up to a 600 yard target. The most you've ever shot is the 50 yards that you zeroed and now I got to hit, uh, you know, this Ipsic at 600 yards. Like it's possible people have done it, but you're you're kind of taking a stab in the dark. Uh, Mark, add anything in on that? No, just like you said, the get the data. The you know we could go into a big deep dive of how much we've struggled to confirm the data. You know, you talk, you 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 dip, you uh, you left all your true fans out because you talked about magneto speed and lab radar, but you forgot about your, your base, Ryan. It's the pores. Where are all the, the shoot over the, the sensors, you know, chronograph guys, I, come on. I said that. I said the light ones. That's, that's what the light oh, ones are. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so, I yeah. had one of those, but it wasn't 223 proof. Yeah, that's the worst part about them, right? <laughs> They're bullet magnets. They suck the bullets in. Um, but what we could talk about, and this would maybe be its own thing, is like, all right, you shot over the chronograph, you did the math on the thing, and then you went out to 500 yards, and your bullets are off by six or eight inches. What happened? What went wrong? And so now we have to do truing, or try a new chronograph, or do a new ballistics calculation. And so it, there's there's some art to it beyond just the science of math says bullet drops this way. And so, you know, thinking about those things helps. But like you said, you can get close, you know, even just looking, well, the box says this is going to go 3150 out of my 16-inch rifle. Eh, we'll be here. You know, we'll be 
we'll be close. So yeah, the the truing I think is really interesting, especially when you get into the longer range matches like zombie. You know, a thousand yards is a whole different game than four or five hundred. So yeah, absolutely. And um, we'll let Tiger on here next. But the thing is, in a lot of like running gun, three gun. I mean, we don't know what you're shooting, but most of the action shooting sports, if you throw out PRS and that like long range game, most of these targets are four MOA or bigger. And I think even most, from what I understand, most PRS is really two MOA or or bigger. Just just kind of it kind of depends, but um, yeah, Mark, uh, uh, yeah, Tiger, why don't you go on and then we'll have uh, Mike kind of go in next. All right. Uh, yeah. So so dope, dope truing, dope collection is 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 my game right like it, you guys know this i'm i'm the long range guy quote unquote um and and yeah you can you can get real real close uh highly recommend um if you don't have a chronograph uh find a friend who does um they're they're amazing tools even the the caldwells you know um i did a test of all three and the caldwells you know they whenever you use them correctly they they really work they i mean it's it's pretty simple calculation bullet enters here bullet exits here and then like mark said you know bullet enters here and exits here eventually um but uh you know and and like ryan said that there's there's a blue million ballistic calculators out there um beyond that people have done the math like that's that's what this if i can get it onto the freaking Thing. that's what these numbers are that's a cheat sheet for all the guns in the world um it's gravity gravity works the same everywhere on the planet um another thing to look at with kind of with your dope um that they haven't mentioned yet is is figure out what your preferred load is for your rifle and and then buy all of your ammunition that way um, you know, if your gun really likes 69 grain PPUs, stick with that. Like, you know, maybe the 55 grain stuff is, is 10 cents on the round cheaper. You know what? 10 cents on the round cheaper might lose you a match three months down the road. Um, if you zeroed with the 69 and now you're shooting 55s, or if you zeroed with the 55s and now you're shooting 69s or 77s, like knowing where those different bullets are, they they fly differently. It's it's a it's a different bullet. You need to do all of this with with all of the different loads that you're going to shoot. Um, and I and that sounds like a lot of work, but I promise, range days are fun. Um, <laughs> you know, um, the uh, uh, the only other thing that I can say on it is, uh, you know, like I said, I I am the quote unquote long range guy of the group. I, I hang out with some PRS shooters, um, and they will absolutely tell you a 100-yard range is enough to prep for any match in the world. If you can get to 100 yards, if you can get a good solid zero there, it's enough. 300 yards is better. Obviously, excuse me, whatever range you're going to be shooting at is best. But 100 and 300 are your are like goal yardages for being able to calculate dope out to 1,000, 1,100 yards. If you can get to 300 yards, everything else can be trued mathematically from there. Um, it's it's a good practice, but uh, but 100 yards is really important, um, which is which is good because most local gun ranges go to 100 if it's outdoors. Indoors, you're on kind of a struggle bus if that's all you have available. Um, that that's a tough time, and and uh, but. But 100 yards really, really is enough to be able to practice the fundamentals, get your chronograph data, at least get a good solid zero like we talked about earlier. Um, everything can be done at 100 yards to prep for, for any distance that you might shoot. Um, but confirming dope at a buddy's farm is, is as always, best. And, and like Mark said, if you miss by, you know, if you paint a waterline mark on a giant piece of paper or whatever and then you shoot it at it at 600 yards and you're like, man, that should have been right in that black line and it's 12 inches low. Well, trust the bullet. The bullet is not lying to you. It's, it's going to fly there pretty, pretty regularly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I ran into that recently. Um, 
the velocity from the magneto speed said one thing. I was hitting a, a six inch by eight inch, you know, so not a huge plate at uh, 500 yards. And the, I still, we've been going back and forth. I don't know where the, in my ballistic app, where the disconnect is, but I know for sure 3.9 mils is what gets me on that plate at 500 yards or 525 yeah. or whatever it is. And I don't know what's wrong with my ballistic app. It's it's me because it's just math. It's something I'm putting in or inputting wrong. But I can tell you what, I've been to matches since then, and I've hit targets at that distance multiple times. So that's the right number. I just yeah. somewhere in that ballistic app, I've got a fat, I've got something fat fingered in wrong. So Mike, and, uh, in anything else? Oh, sorry. Uh, you can go in after another, Tiger here. Yeah. Another thing. Um, again, preference if you can get it is to not have your targets hanging in a void. Uh, um, if you are trying to confirm dope at five, six, seven hundred yards, don't have them hanging 10, 12 feet up in the air where you can't see a miss. Like, you know, if you if you miss six inches low and you see a dirt splash 800 yards behind the 500-yard target, you have no idea where that bullet went. Uh, you know, targets where you can see where your misses are if you can't obviously if you can't but being able to spot misses is huge i know that really screwed with some people last year at zombie because that valley is nothing but grass and, and misses just that it's just a void out there like you can't tell where you're hitting so yeah sadly that's most of the midwest where we shoot it's like it's there's berm and then there's grass on the berm so it's like oh okay well i hit the berm yeah, but cornfield. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Mike, you got anything to add into zeroing or, uh, or I guess confirming long range or anything? Uh, no, I think we covered a lot of it. Um, okay. You want me to talk about, um, kind of like understanding some positional stuff in the zeroing process? Uh, yeah, yeah that would be great. So, yeah. Um, one thing that I see a lot of shooters do when they come into a stage is they zero their rifle and set up their optic from either a bench or prone or standing in their pew room, as I like to call it, and their eye relief is not set up right. So when you're going to set up your gun and confirm everything, make sure that your stock is in a position where you can get comfortably on the rifle whether you're standing offhand, sitting, kneeling behind something, or prone. You're not going to find something that feels 100% in every single position. That's just not how the human body works. But there is a position on the gun where, hey, maybe since I know that I'm going to do almost all of my shooting at a running gun from either standing or kneeling off the barricade, then, hey, I'm going to set up where it's, 85% good there, and then when I'm prone, it's kind of 75%, but I can fudge that a little bit when I'm prone, and my eye box is where it needs to be. I see a lot of guys come into a match, and they can't find their reticle, and, and things are not working well when they get into some non-standard positions, and uh, so when you're going and setting the gun up, understand that parallax is a real thing. A lot of us are running red dots or LPVOs. Red dots are not truly parallax-free. I saw a DOD test, and I think we mentioned this in the, the uh, red dot episode, where you had been surprised when they went and tested. There was some pretty well-known red dots that had some parallax shift. Um, now, how significant would be based off of the range and accuracy standards you're trying to hold to? And so you need to find that out for yourself. Understand that most of the LPVOs we're all running have uh, fixed parallax, whether it's 100 or 150 yards, uh, that can vary by the optic. But understand that that'll come into play a little bit. So make sure that when you're zeroing and you're trying maybe a couple different positions, that depending on where your head is behind the optic can affect your zero. So I know that was kind of a little technical moment, but it's something to think about. Absolutely. Um, so if you are, I'll add into that. If you are using an LPVO or some kind of variable power optic, medium, whatever, um, you want to set that with your magnification at the max. 
generally, I, I, I think in just about every scope I've ever seen, as you zoom down, that eye box, that kind of sweet spot gets bigger. So if you got a one to eight, eight X is going to be the tightest that eye box is. And at one X, you're going to have a lot more room. So if you do that at your max magnification, when you zoom out, you'll have a little bit more uh, generous eye box to work with. That's, Along that's with 100% of the optics, Ryan. That's, is that, that's I was going to say, I think it's just physics. Yeah. That's just how physics so, works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that's what I thought. I don't, that, but, you know, manufacturers can do a lot of weird things to bend physics to what they want. But, yeah, that's generally the, the rule of thumb. And um, the other thing there is I would say is um, if you if your IOX is good, if your, you know, your eye relief is good standing and prone. If you find one that works with both of those, that's probably going to work in 98 percent of your, your situations. Those those two tend to be the most extreme. Um, the other one thing is if you're shooting with plates, um, you, depending on your plates and what you've got, you know, on your chest, that may affect where you how you shoulder your rifle. So, um, if you've got an adjustable stock, maybe you got to click it in. If you've got a non-adjustable stock, you may want to really pay attention to that because if you got plates and that butt stock's on the plate, you're adding three quarters of an inch, inch, you know, depending on the plates further away that's that's really going to have an effect on your cheek weld and in your eyes so uh anyone want to add anything before we go on to the next topic okay so um at this point we've hopefully we've got a zero guns rifle pistol zeroed you're confident from five yards out to however far that you think you're going to have to shoot that you know where that bullet's going to hit if you don't know where that bullet's going to hit you're you're just kind of slinging lead. So we've got that. The next thing I would say is um, practice. So um, me and Mike took a class from Sean Murphy, a friend of ours. He was on the show at the Legion 2021, I think, episode. Um, so that was one of our one of our earlier after actions. So definitely take a look at that. But um, he gave a class. And one of the things we ended with, and this kind of some of this class kind of spurred some of these thoughts, was I, I would call it a know your limits drill. Um, I guess you call it a couple things, but we basically had a piece of steel with pistol. You could use paper or steel with rifle if you wanted. And um, you would shoot and continually increase your cadence that you're shooting until you could no longer keep it within that piece of steel, the A box, whatever your, your goal is. And then once you got outside that, now that's, that's kind of your limit. That's, that's where I can shoot. Then you worked on backing that down just to the, the bottom, right underneath that limit, so that you continually shot and you kind of know this is my cadence. So maybe you're picking up, you start at like one shot per second, and you get up to where you know, you just start to miss and that's a one seven split or two oh split, whatever that is. You don't have you can have a shot timer. You don't have to have a shot timer for this. Just giving out numbers. So then, you know, OK, I, I start I'm starting to drop shots at two oh. I need to back down to a point two two split. And you know what? At point two two. I can keep that on a target every time. Um same thing with rifle. Maybe I'm shooting this fast and then it starts getting outside the A zone and I got to slow down. But you kind of go through some rounds that way and start programming in. This is how fast where I'm at my skill level right now that I can visually shoot and and get the hits that I, I want to get. Um, and obviously do this at different distances because your splits at five yards with pistol are definitely not going to be the splits you have at um, at 25 yards. So, um, you guys do anything like that? Tiger, you got anything to add to that or anything similar you do? Yeah. Um, so I've, I've never done the, the know your limits quite like that. Um, it's, it's a fantastic way to do it. Don't, don't, don't take my not doing it as a, as a, uh, reason not to do it because I think I'm going to start doing that. That's a, that's a great, <laughs> that's a great test. 
Um, one thing I've always done, and it goes back to the, the dope and the wind conversation that I was kind of having earlier, um, is figuring out your bracket. Uh, so say you've got an eight-inch plate, whatever whatever an eight-inch plate is, at whatever distance you want to hold that accuracy standard, right? Um, figuring out where uh, you can basically hold anywhere on an eight inch plate what that looks like in your scope right like it in your reticle figuring out what that eight inch plate is where if you hold dead center maybe your horseshoe dot circles the eight inch plate at 100 yards and you know that if you do that it doesn't matter if the wind's blowing 10 mile an hour or not at all you're going to hit that plate right um in the in the long range world they call it figuring out your mile per hour of your gun or your the brackets of your gun um usually it's one mil is you know you go from the half mil hash to the half mil hash or from one side of the u to the other um but figuring that out and then that way you know that if you put that dot somewhere on that target or if it's a full-size dipstick right like okay now if i'm shooting at paper as long as i know that the center of this reticle is somewhere on that paper i'm going to be within my accuracy standard regardless of other conditions it's a way that you can speed yourself up because you're not trying to hold dead center right like you're not trying for that perfect a zone hit um so that's kind of how i've always tried to increase speed is i figure out like where i can what's what's the term in uspsa shoot the streak uh or shoot paint the target whatever however you want to call it um but the the know your limits thing sounds sounds a lot better because uh, that's an actual measurable goal. And that sounds like something you can download a metronome app on your phone, have it sitting next to you. All right, I'm going to squeeze the trigger with this metronome and see how long I can hold it on my target. All right, I did it 10 shots in a row where it's one shot in a second. Cool, let's, let's double that. Let's do it every shot every half second, you know. And just start speeding it up until, like you said, until the wheels fall off. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to get the idea though that like, I mean, I, I, that's fine way to train it with like the metronome or like I so said, you can look at shot time. Yeah. I think the important thing is you just know that feeling. I know that yeah. this is the feeling yeah. and this is the sight. And uh, you know, I use examples, but like, it, I, I don't know what my splits are at these different distances. I, but at this point, right. I kind of know the feel of it. Uh, Mark, you got anything? Yeah, so mine, the thing that I was thinking about kind of builds on what Tiger was saying, but it's not so much about the wind or the sight picture. For me, it's more about forcing shots. And this was one of my problems at Zombie last year on the medium range stuff. Is there, you can want to take the shot, but is it the right, you know, is it when you should take the shot? And there's an old Pat Kelly video about how you have your natural kind of wiggle, whatever your wiggle is, you know, where you're trying to find, all right, where do you break the shot? Spending time getting used to that wiggle so that you break the shot when you can, not when you want to. And it's kind of like Tiger said with the wind, and it's about bracketing, but it's just, it's not so much a speed thing, but a mental thing. Like, when do I shoot? You know, not when I want to shoot, but when I can shoot. And and getting that mental kind of thing it goes back to like you're saying with the programming and it's not so much speed or cadence but it's just like no that's not my shot yes that is my shot you know that kind of thing and it's a rifle thing not so much pistol thing for me at least Um, but I've been trying to think more about that lately because it's it's so easy to fall in that mental thing like boy that's that's you know like I'm on enough and you just I I see it in three gun. I used to do it in three gun all the time when we'd be shooting off of like a standing uh, VTAC barricade where you're not quite perfectly set, but you're like, it's just there. Just it's there. It's going to it's going to ting. And you just you're not getting your hits because you're forcing your shots. So I've been trying to think about that stuff kind of ties in with both what you're saying, I think. Yeah. Now this is, uh, I, since you mentioned Pat Kelly, cause this is like one of the greatest things that helped my offhand rifle. And I think this kind of goes in, he's just a brilliant shooter. Um, and this is really, especially like offhand stuff at like plate racks, 50, 60, 70 plus yards. Um, 
the way that he would would shoot them a lot of the times was instead of trying to hold on that plate and get that wobble, like Mark, you know, get that wobble zone down small enough to hit the plate, he would actually like sweep up, you know, so you go from like the bottom left to upper right and he's sweeping up and he's, you know, prepping the trigger so that as soon as that scope, you know, that reticles across the plate, he's breaking the shot. Then um, there's a little tip to maybe experiment with and try instead of just trying to find a, especially in action shooting where we're trying to do this real fast, really taking the time to get my wobble zone small enough to where it just stays inside a six inch plate at 70 yards is, not real easy to do, but if you can just sweep up and then bam, break that, it goes down and bam, break that. And it's not necessarily a huge exaggerated streak like I'm showing on the screen, but I mean, it can just be boom, boom, boom. And just just as long as you've got something to control the shot is, is kind of the, the idea. So uh, Mar- uh, Mike, shooting wise, the uh, like know your limits drill, some of the stuff Sean Murphy talked about. You got anything to add to that? Yeah, yep. It's just uh, it's important to push, find the edge of that comfort zone. Uh, back in 2019, I think that was something that Ryan really encouraged me to do. That I found I picked up some speed because I was accurate enough. And uh, while we all want that first round impact and that's the goal, there definitely is a balance of you're slowing yourself down and tapping the brakes too much. I think. Really, when it comes down to a lot of what we're talking about, though, is the mental management side of the house. Whether it's knowing when to fire the shot or I need to hold off and my my offhand rifle wobble or, um, you know, shooting a small pistol target. The mental management is a big key. And you need to be able to know when to get out of your own head, as odd as that sounds. Uh, We see it a lot as ROs is we see someone that we know is 100%, 110% capable of making this hit. They come in, they're gassed, they they fire one, and then they fire that quick second follow-up, and then all of a sudden, mentally, they're lost. And they just go to war with this target. And uh, <laughs> something that I had to learn the hard way back in the early days was there's moments where it's literally you just – Deep breathe in, exhale out, and re-engage. And just give yourself that mental reset moment. Um, it can be important if you get off your natural shooting cadence or if you're dealing with shooting something long range off a funky barricade or whatever, that, that that momentary mental reset can be really important. And, you know, think about, hey, am I in the right position? Do I need to adjust something real quick? Because... If you just threw three or four rounds and you didn't make an impact and you know, hey, we just checked our gun, it's zeroed. You know, I was making impacts at stages all the way up to here. And all of a sudden I'm off, good chance it's not your gear, it's you. So learn how to uh, put your wheels back on if they've started to come off on a stage. And the great place to learn how to do that is in these practice sessions. Have some, you know, a B8 or some throoms. Um, you know, even today when I was changing zero on a pistol dot, I got partway through a 10-round string and said, you know what, I'm going to start pushing these. And so just took that second and then got right back on target, finished it up, and did a nice 10-ring uh, group for uh, a 25-yard zero. So, yeah, mental management. And you can teach yourself mental management in dry fire understand you know hey i'm looking at my dot i'm starting to get a little bit too much wobble (sighs) all right i'm back in i'm back on you can do it with your rifle too a lot of people wonder how i've been somewhat successful at this like intermediate rifle uh that we engage a lot and we're seeing more in three gun and a lot of it is i'm willing to take that (sighs) maybe as i come into a position or maybe as i transition into a target and believe me, the breath feels like it takes an eternity. But that little reset to kind of calm yourself, focus, you know, that could lead to a first round impact. Well, that's that one second breathe in out with maybe a first or second round impact as you reset and you re engage with that particular target. 
to keep you from throwing five, ten rounds at it. So it, it's the little things. Um, I probably rambled on here. I don't even know if I'm really answering the question that Ryan wanted, but nope. hey, just something to think nope, about. That's perfect. That's perfect. I mean, that's so that's the point of what we're talking about, what we're going to kind of, you know, talk a little bit more about is mentally preparing yourself. And some of that mental preparedness comes in the preparation of the zeroing, the running some drills. Um, we'll, maybe we'll talk about some dry fire. I know we've talked about it in other episodes, but the idea is that when you get to a stage, you have all the foundation in place that you can just flow through the stage. You know, top athletes talk about that like flow state. I mean, all of us shooting here have probably been in it. I know some of my best stages um, don't feel very fast. Like I just kind of go through and just do the things. And I don't necessarily remember like every site picture. I don't remember. I mean, sometimes I'm I'm even in it where like it's happening and I'm kind of like noticing things going on with it, but I'm not thinking about the shooting. I'm thinking about whatever that little thing that's going on. Maybe something's changed and I need to make a correction or something like that. But the more subconscious you can make your shooting, the less of that consciousness you have to bring in, I think the the better off you are um, at the risk of getting maybe too zen here. But but that's that's the point of this preparation leading up to a match is that like Mike said, you're five stages in and you start missing on a target. <clears throat> you can quickly in your head go, okay, well, I knew I had a good zero beforehand. I know I just hit a 300 yard target that last one. So I'm zeroed. I should be able to hit a 200 and then do what you have to do. Take yourself out of it, get that breath reset and have confidence in your, your skills, your equipment and, you know, kind of the prep work that you did. Um, leading up to this so i guess uh uh tiger do you have anything else we haven't talked about that you uh that you do kind of prepping for a match uh yeah um so so to kind of to kind of build off of that uh that that zen state that that total confidence um it's it's really about building confidence in your gear um and that's that's something that i feel like a lot of people don't have is they they you know they don't go out and they don't spend the time in the dirt, quote unquote, to to make sure that, hey, my rifle is zeroed. If I'm missing, it's my fault. Like it's or something has gone wrong. Right. Like there is something wrong. It's the the natural state of this shooter equipment setup is that I could hit this target at this range. I know that I've done it before. I've done it a hundred times. Um, and, and the mental aspect, like you say, is 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 a big deal. Uh, Ryan, me and you have talked about it. We don't tend to shoot our own matches as match directors very well. Like we shoot them okay, we we do fine, but we have so much other shit in our head going on that it's that we we're not focused on that that flow state. That hey, I'm just out here having a good time. I'm shooting. I'm hitting my targets. Hey, what? No, I need to talk to this RO about this, or I need to do you know whatever. Um, and and taking the breath, like Mike said, is is a big deal. Um, I'll I'll finish it off with a with a quick little story here. Last year, Zombie, uh, I'm proofing stages with John Drossard, who's a fantastic shooter, right? And I had the one stage where it was the double taps out, like seven targets that you ha- each shooter had to double tap, and he struggled on the first target, and then I didn't, right? I tap tap, ding ding. And then he struggled on target two, and then I didn't. And if I had been thinking about it, I probably would have given him a second to collect himself, but he never had a chance to take that breath because he was trying to not let me down as his partner, and he was pushing. He was forcing shots like Mark's talking about. He's taking shots that he doesn't need to take, and if he would taken a breath, he probably would have done the stage better. We would have shot the stage better, which we were just proving it doesn't matter. But, you know, that just take a second, collect yourself, know your equipment is good, know your right, you know, know your dope, know you've done the prep work, um, and, you know, and have fun with it. 
Like that's that's something that a lot of people really get wrapped around the axle on in these competitions. I've got to do really well. Don't forget, you're out on you're out on a range. Like it's a good day. It's it's better than any day at work, right? Um, and that's that's one thing that I've really been the last couple of years because I haven't competed a whole lot. Whenever I start prepping for a match, hey, win or lose, I'm out here. I'm having a good time. I want to win. I want to shoot well. But it's a good day regardless. Absolutely. Mark, uh, what do you got? What do you got to add to that? Uh, I know you have wisdom. No, I don't know about that. Just the, you know, maybe rewind to the first two minutes of this talk where we should have started and said, why do we do this match prep? You know, it's like Tiger said, you go in. So it's just about you. You know, they always say, well, this is the test of man and equipment. Let's take the equipment out and just see what you can bring to the table as you that day. You know, and that's what you're going for. It's how did you do that day? Not, well, you know, the scope was a little loose and I have, we tried this new ammo. It's like, yeah, you can have a whole laundry list of excuses. But like, if you come in and say, no, I know the exact stage Tiger was talking about. And I know I was forcing shots. And, you know, it's like. It was me. It was you know, the gun was right. Everything was right. You know, make the match about what you can do, not what your gear is holding you back on or or those sort of things. And then, you know, maybe close the feedback loop too. that. How many of our after action reports, you know, maybe not this channel, but people get done and they say, oh, yeah, my bipod was loose and my muzzle device didn't have rock set on it. And so, yeah, I really need to correct those things. And then you ask them how their next match went. And they said, well, you know, my bipod is still a little loose and uh, I didn't get the rock set quite done. You know, it's like you're never really fixing those problems. Like, that's why we do this match prep so we can focus on the match. You know, do the prep so you can focus on the match. And maybe we should have started with that. If you're still listening at this point, you know, thanks, I guess. But you know, that's what that's the goal here. That's what we're trying to do with this this whole be prepared so that you could focus on the the you part. Absolutely. So I like that. This is a good segue. So gear wise, and I'm going to start this off first with a public service announcement. Stop screwing with your gear. Just full stop there. I know we all want to do better. I know we all like we want that gun that is just tuned just that much better. Do you know what? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, something Mike does, m- me and Mike are both very alike in this, in that, and Mike likes to play with stuff, but generally once we build a rifle and we get a rifle or something like squared away, we don't change much. Like we've built it, we've kind of figured out, we don't change much. And do you know what? I mean, me and Mike shoot a lot of matches together and, it's a very rare occurrence that we have any kind of malfunction, any kind of gun maintenance issue, because it worked yesterday, and I haven't changed anything. So it's the chances are really good it's going to work tomorrow. Now, do things wear? Do stuff? I mean, uh, we shot a match last weekend. Me and Mike both had like a double feed. That's the first double feed I can ever remember having. That wasn't shooter induced, and this one may have been shooter induced, but not from like I, I know what Mark's thinking of because I, I was too close to a port once and brass fell back. And but me and Mike both had it. We cleared them. And that was it that day. You know, so stuff happens. I mean, in these matches, but we rarely. I mean, there's parts aren't falling off, scopes aren't coming loose. Like it's a very rare occurrence because we just build stuff, we try to maintain it, and and it just runs. Um, so that's my public service announcement. I would say either before you do all this match prep or a little bit before the match, um, clean your guns. I'm kind of the, uh, I'm not great at this. Uh, I've not cleaned my rifle all season, my pistol either. Uh, Legion's an important match. I, I'm planning on doing some actual like cleaning because I, I was getting black on my hands today from shooting pistol because instead of cleaning my gun i just put a little bit more oil on it we call it good what's it's bad enough now it's slinging oil and carbon all over my hands and glasses and i that's probably time to to clean um but 
cleaning is important because when parts are clean, you can see issues with it. You can see the hairline crack that's forming in the slide or, you know, oh, crap, I've busted a lug off my AR's bolt, you know, whatever it is. That, that's where you see stuff when it's clean. When it's all covered in carbon, it, you're not going to see that. So um, so maybe Here's give them a clean. A, What's that, Mike? I was going to say, here's something to consider. <laughs> For a lot of people, uh, number one, when they clean, they're not putting enough lube back on. So number it's one, true. make it wet. And then after you clean, before you go to your big match, try to get a time to go put 20, 30, 50 rounds through the gun after you've cleaned it. And I know this yep, sounds I just gonna like, say a, that. well, I just cleaned it. Why would I do that? Well, you just had it apart and things change. You might not have had a pen back in together the way you thought. Um, or, you know, maybe the, the lube hasn't made its way into where it needs to be. So go ahead and plan. If you do not have the ability to fire it before a match, then get some dry fire reps in. You know, make sure that the, the trigger sounds like that it's, uh, you know, falling and resetting and that um, things are moving freely and that they're behaving right, that things aren't locked up. Uh, you know, ultimately, it, it would really suck for you to show up and because you cleaned it, you created an issue. So, yeah, you know, it, it's kind of the thing, too, is, you know, it's like it's like fouling the bore. Um, you know, a lot of the guys that that do a lot of precision understand that, you know, they're after they do a deep clean, that their zero could be a little bit off. And so, you know, a lot of the guys that are into some of that stuff will make sure that they have an opportunity to, hey, we're going to refoul the bore let this shift back to where it needs to be for uh, the match or the hunt or you know, whatever that opportunity for that shot is so and then also while you're cleaning and going over the gun for that final time check your witness marks also have the witness marks there in the first place um, you know that it's pretty important to have those so you know if something comes loose or shifts um, I'm a big fan of witness marking, and uh, blue Loctite is your friend, folks. It's not permanent, and uh, also means that while it'll help keep things from coming loose, you need to check those items that were secured with it. Yep, ab absolutely. Um, I like I actually like witness marking with a silver Sharpie because most of our stuff's like black or dark colored. The silver Sharpie will wear over time which means that I physically have to go through and check it every so often just to make sure that it's still there. And then when I check it, I'm making sure, hey, no, nothing's nothing's moved. So, yeah, that, those were two things I was going to add. Absolutely function test. Uh, we had a friend a bunch of years back shooting three gun. He cleaned his gun, his rifle, the night, uh, like after the first night of a match before the second, and somehow was able to get the camp the bolt in upside down was still able to get the cam pen in, which you shouldn't be able to do, but I think he may, I don't know what happened there, but he was able to get it probably in alcohol. and yeah, probably alcohol. Either, either the dimple wasn't enough on the bolt or he really ham, you know, hammered it in there. But uh, next day takes his first shot and that gun locks up tight because lugs are not in the places that, you know, the correct orientation. So you got to be able to function test your your stuff before you go shoot it. Um, I'd say, well, I'm telling you to clean your gun. Modern guns can run very, very dirty as long as they've got lubrication. Things are better, wetter. Just, just, just remember that in most most situations. So um, there's so kind of a tier list to it, though. You could you could yeah. say there's a tier list to it. like your shotguns. You're going to want to clean more than your rifle. Your yes, race yeah. gun, you're going to clean more than your Glock. You know, like everything has an order. And so, and Except, even barrels, going to barrels. Barrels, I would argue, don't need to be cleaned as much as yeah, most I, people clean them. Yeah, So I, I won't run anything through my, I'll clean the bore a little bit, you know, the lugs on my AR, but like I'm not going to run a, a patch through my 
rifle or, or at least anything aggressive. You know, maybe just a patch just to get the big stuff. But yeah, I would agree. Yeah, we're I mean, gonna have to it, put a disclaimer on that section for our friend John Shelley. Yeah, shout out to our yeah. buddy that can't stand anything if it's not white glove clean. Yeah, and that's what I, I'm. Don't white. I mean, you don't have to have your gun look like it's brand new. Just, just a basic cleaning just to get the big stuff off. I mean, it's it's probably ideal. Having said that, again, I'm I've got guns that haven't been cleaned all year. My shotgun hasn't been cleaned in two years now so i'm kind of at this point since i don't shoot any majors with it we're just going to send it and see how dirty the thing the thing can get it's only had one malfunction in two years now (laughs) so most likely ammo related but um yeah anything to add to that tiger mark uh kind of gun maintenance before matt uh yeah i do um I check all of my, you guys witness Mark. I, I, I don't, uh, I should, I used to, um, and then all of it were off and I didn't have my, I did orange fluorescent, like paint marker was my witness mark. Um, and then that a kid took it and painted my car with it and I got really mad and threw it in the woods and it was, <laughs> it was a whole thing. Um, and I, and I haven't witnessed Mark since, uh, as far as gun cleaning goes, I clean them in September. Uh, that's, I picked the month of September. I go through, I clean all of my weapons except my precision rifle because I don't clean my precision rifle unless it's roots start opening up. Um, Also, barrels were meant to have bullets go down them, nothing else. That's just the way I feel about it. Uh, Again, unless your accuracy starts to suffer, don't worry about cleaning your barrel. Uh, I do check my uh, scope mount uh check all the screws you know for the rings or the unimount make sure it's tight to the upper uh i check my muzzle device i tend to run suppressors but those of you who don't still check check the thing on the end of your barrel because if it's loose and rattling that will absolutely affect your bullet you might not think it does but just a little bit will throw your bullet off a lot um so yeah i my my pre-match maintenance is just taking a, a Torx bit or a hex bit to all of the various screws on the outside of the rifle um, and making sure that they, you know, they're as tight as I feel like they should be. If, if I, I just recently got a fix it stick kit um, about a year ago. That's been great. Cause I have actual measurements now. It's not just ugga duggas or drunken pulls. Um, and, you know, beyond that, uh, yeah, just just make sure everything feels normal, feels right. Like you, sh- you should have enough rounds through your rifle and through your pistol that whenever you go to the range to confirm the zero, like we were talking about earlier, or dry firing in your basement or in your garage or whatever it is, you should know what it feels like and make sure it feels right. If it doesn't feel right, something is wrong. Yeah, let me, uh, this is something I've not confirmed myself. I've heard from a a fairly, I think I heard it on the uh, Everyday Sniper podcast, but they there was kind of a rash of, this is along with like the fix-it sticks and torque wrenches. There's kind of a rash of people breaking, I think it was the spur mounts. Uh-huh. The thing to be cautious of, every time you put that torque wrench on and you crank it and it clicks, you could be tightening that bolt ever so much more you know for a torque wrench to work basically you crank it you know if it's the click style till it clicks that's at the torque yeah every time you click it past that you can be tightening them so what would happen is what tiger's talking about every time these guys would go out to the range they'd put a torque wrench on everything and you know click 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 make sure everything's tight well you're slowly tightening more and more eventually that you know it fatigues the bolt fatigues the metal so be cautious with how yeah i do it before the match which i shoot you know five six seven matches a year and i and i switch guns enough like that usually happens once or twice a year where i'll i'll click everything over um but yeah there was there was a rash of prs guys breaking spur mounts because they were doing it you know once or twice a week 
and you will absolutely start shearing bolts that way. Yeah. So just uh, that's just a word of caution. So uh, let's start wrapping this up. Mike, why don't you start us off? What are your kind of closing thoughts on this? Just just match prep in general. You know, it, there's always some match day jitters. But think about those things that kind of eat at you the most and get them taken care of. Um, it, it's really easy to uh, kind of panic and last minute try to correct gear. I've had issues with compensators and all sorts of things. But uh, try to... Uh, set aside the time that you can enjoy the match prep and it's not chaos because you're going to walk away with a lot more confidence in your gear if you've got the time set aside and you can enjoy it and uh you're going to have better lessons better notes better takeaways and uh yeah enjoy the journey so good that's good advice mark how about you Oh, I guess, I don't know. I want to say something cliche, like if you're not preparing to win, you're preparing, you know, something like that. But I think, um, I think Mike kind of stole it from me. It's like, if you want to have a good time at this, spend a little time ahead of, you know, before the match and set yourself up for success, I guess was what I'd say, you know, make it about what you can do, not what your gear is holding you back from, you know, you can only do as well as your preparation for the match. So set yourself up for success and you'll have a lot more fun, I think. Yep, absolutely. Tiger? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone else about not prepping properly for a match. Uh, and and I had a, I struggled. I, I had a bad match when I, that didn't happen. Um, once you get your gear set up, don't fuck with it. Have all the fun prepping for it remember it's supposed to be fun range days are good uh you'll have more fun at the match the more time you spend on the range beforehand and yeah like you know like mark said it, cliche item number seven go <laughs> yeah ab- absolutely um because this is all supposed to be fun i mean you know sometimes confirming zero or something like that like i can think of more fun things to do with a gun but it's also like I can think of a lot worse things. So um, definitely enjoy it. Have fun. Um, I'll encourage you. This is something I started doing, and I don't know if this is going to show real well. I got these little right in the rain notebooks for each of my guns to start. So I know people are like, oh, they got a dope book or whatever, which which is good. You know, especially the long range guys, they're putting down their drops and they're just. But um I'm starting to keep these for all my guns so I can kind of better track, you know, if you, especially if you switch between a couple different divisions or a couple different things, you know, I'm putting like what date I last zeroed, what ammo I zeroed with. I got muzzle velocity for a couple different rounds in here, drops, um, you know, I have the throoms, like what my hold looks like, what, what that kind of thing. Um, a little bit of, paperwork you know writing it could you don't have to have a notebook you could do it in your phone and notes but maybe taking some notes doing when you're doing this prep write some stuff down and then you can refer to it and it, it it's again it's just to help you feel confident so that when you go out there you can shoot to your potential um we all shoot with i mean we, we all if you've shot long enough you've always you've shot with that guy whose gun never makes it through a match I mean, we shot with some guys last weekend. They were really good shooters. They, they still played pretty well. The one guy was on his third gun or third upper by the end of the match. And the other guy had one or two gun issues. You know, gas blocked, come loose and this and that. And it's like, and they were phenomenal shooters. I mean, I would have loved, we ended up beating them. You know, we were first, they were second. I would have loved to have seen how close we would have got, you know, could they have beat us if they would have had not had so many gear malfunctions and it's easy to say, well, they were better shooters. They probably would have beat it, but your gear running through the whole match, knowing your holds, knowing your zero, like that's, that's part of the sport, you know, that's, that's, that's part of the importance of this. So make sure you know how your gear works. No, make sure you know that it's going to work, that it's going to go bang. Not, I put a new trigger in the night before and well, now my rifle doesn't reset and you know, 
well, I would have won the match, but my my trigger died on me. It's like, well, no, you you, you wouldn't have won the match because you, you didn't have gear that ran, you know. So um, put that put a little bit of prep work in. It's fun. Shooting's I mean, shooting's almost always fun. So put a little bit of prep work in, do a little homework. And uh, I would I, I would just about guarantee on match day you'll have a much uh, more enjoyable experience because. Now all you got to do is show up and 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 do what you do. You, you know, um, throw some dry fire in before that. We haven't really talked about that, but throw a little dry fire in. You know, positional with rifle, pistol stuff, and then and then show up the day of and just just have fun. I mean, that's that's the whole point. And then once you're done, drink some bourbon, but make sure you bring some bourbon for me and Mike too, because um, we we like we like drinking bourbon with all you guys. So. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up here. It's just a, just over an hour. Um, we're going to try to do a little bit more of these. We've been kind of quiet lately. I know we got two more after actions. Me and Mike need to hammer out it at some point. So um, thanks for listening. Hope we see you out in a match here soon. Bye.